Good morning, Dale. Yes, Second Timothy chapter 1 today. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 12. This is a very special uh, passage for me. Uh, when I first got saved and started learning how to write sermons and stuff, uh, this passage was the first passage that I ever wrote a sermon for, man, oh, probably close to 20 years ago. Uh, I don't have those notes anymore. Um, a wise person once told me that as you go into further and further into ministry, uh, you throw away all your old notes, and uh, you don't want to be relying on them too much. I don't have my old notes for this message, but I suspect that what I am about to go through today is a lot different than what I did almost 20 years ago. But I do have a special place in my heart for this particular passage. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. So as you're turning there at home, listening to me, I'm going to share a story with you from Christmas. So my dad and uh, Cindy, his girlfriend, came over on Christmas Day, and it was so nice to see them on Christmas. Uh, the only problem that we had was our dog, Shadow. Just, oh boy, just love her just to pieces, you know. So she just can't handle it when people come over. She can't handle it when people walk across the street. Are you kidding? Anytime a package gets delivered to the house, I mean, this dog just goes nuts. Just yip, 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 yip. It's embarrassing. You have any dogs like this that just yip, yip, yip for no good reason? It's just embarrassing. It's just, I'm so ashamed of her. I didn't want her out with us in the living room while we're trying to visit with my dad because she's barking. You can't put her in her kennel because then she barks. You can't put her in a bedroom because she barks. It was just a terrible feeling of just being so ashamed of her. Just so ashamed to even have this dog. Just barks all the time. You know, sometimes in our walk with the Lord, we feel that way sometimes also about Jesus. We can feel ashamed of him as well. Uh, it's too bad, too, because we're not supposed to be ashamed of our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Uh, sometimes we feel beat down, sometimes we feel marginalized, sometimes we feel like we're at our wit's end. We make excuses for why we can't spend time with the Lord. Are we squeezing God out of our lives at this point because we don't care? Are we ashamed? Are we truly ashamed of the Lord? Do we feel like God is a nuisance in our lives, asking too much of us too often? Just too much. It's just too much. And so we just can't do it anymore. I hope you don't feel like God is a nuisance in your life. Like I felt like my dog was a nuisance in my life on Christmas Day when my dad came over. However, this can be very evidenced in our lives by one very interesting time. If you ever go out to a meal in public, do you pray? That's kind of the litmus test, isn't it? If you're out in the middle of a public restaurant and all eyes are on you and everybody's looking at you, is this how you pray? And then you're done? <laughs> that, that's it? Or do you actually pray? Do you pray out loud? Do you pray with all eyes on you because you're not ashamed of the Lord Jesus? I pray that you are not ashamed of the Lord Jesus. Sometimes, however, it's not just in the praying that we do for our meals. Sometimes it's in the decisions that we make. We make decisions that do not necessarily reflect our walk with the Lord. 
The places that we visit may not necessarily reflect our walk with the Lord. How we spend our money is maybe not necessarily how we reflect our walk with the Lord. How we behave in our lives is a demonstration of what we really feel and believe. Today we're going to be looking at this passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8-12. through 12. It's a passage near and dear to my heart, and let's start to look at this. Let's read these verses and then try to understand a little something from them this morning. Goes something like this. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hey, good morning, Mary. It's so good to have you with us this morning. So good to have all of you as we read this passage of Scripture. As we read this 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8-12, through 12, God wants you to trust who you have believed in. God wants you to trust who you have believed in. There are many times, many opportunities in this life where we don't feel like we can trust God. That's very true. Sometimes things happen that are beyond our control and we wish God wouldn't have allowed it to happen. We wish God would have done differently with it. We wish God would have answered our prayer the way we wanted him to. And sometimes we feel like we can't trust him anymore. I certainly have had times like that over the course of the last year. Why did God allow this to happen to me? Why did God allow me to make that decision? What is going on here? Lord, I thought you were on my side. What's going on here? Can I really trust God in those kinds of moments, in those times? And the answer, of course, is yes. God wants you to trust whom you have believed in. So how can we trust who we have believed in? How can I do that? Well, there's three reasons given to us in this passage for why we can trust God. Those three reasons. Number one, verses eight and nine. We trust God because of his calling we trust God because of his calling. Second reason we can trust him, verses 10 and 11. We trust God because of his Christ. We trust God because of his Christ. And the third reason that we can trust him, we trust God because of his commitment. His commitment. So let's start to look at this passage. Now, as we jump into verse 8, we missed a few verses, didn't we? Context is king, my good Bible scholars. Context is king. What is Paul talking about? So he's introducing himself uh, to this for this new letter to Timothy. He says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love of a sound mind. So he's talking to Timothy about how God has gifted him and how he's supposed to be doing this ministry. He's supposed to be going out and doing this ministry. Remember, if you go back to 1 Timothy, Paul has to remind him, do not let them look down upon your youth. You need to be committed to this ministry. Don't let them knock you down. Okay, you must 
keep going. So he's talking to Timothy again here. Now, this is his last letter to Timothy, at least that we know of, at least that we have. And sometimes when you get these last letters, last words from people, they're usually some of the most important words that a person can say. And Paul is telling Timothy here about how God has equipped us for work and for ministry. And if God has so equipped you for work and for ministry, and by the way, has he? I'll pause for a minute to let you think about that. Has God equipped you and called you for ministry? If he has... Don't be ashamed of him. You need to follow through with what he has given to you, which is why he goes in verse 8 to say, Therefore, for this reason, do not be ashamed. If God has called you and equipped you as he has Timothy here in verse 7, if God has done these things for you, and by the way, he has done them for you, he has enabled you and equipped you for service, for his service and his work, If God has done those things for you, then do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Because sometimes we can feel ashamed. I don't want to pray when I go out to eat. Surely you say that you do pray when you go out to eat. Good, you should. Everybody should. We all should. We need to be. We shouldn't be doing things like that behind closed doors only. We need to not be ashamed of our Lord. We need to not be ashamed of the salvation that we have. We need to not be ashamed of who God is or that we stand for him or that we've been equipped for ministry for him. Do not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of other people. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of anybody else. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of of God. God has the power to equip us and enable us for this ministry. Do not be ashamed of him. This is what God has done. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. What a wonderful thing that God has done for us to have saved us from our sins, to have called us out from this wretched, wicked, sinful world. We have been called out from that for him, to serve him, to be with him. That's pretty fantastic. Before we came to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we lived in a world that was full of sin, garbage, and sewage. And we all swam in it like it was the best thing ever. But God has called you out of that. He saved you from the wrath of the penalty of your sin. He's called you out from the garbage heap that is this world to be something different, to be something unique, to be set apart like him. And we can trust him. If he knew best that we needed to be called out from that sinful world to be with him, if he knew best for that, I'm going to guess he knows best for a lot of other things and we can trust him for everything else. He is to be trusted because he has saved us and he has called us and he's called us with a holy calling, not just some calling to live a life as a Christian, to do whatever it is, whenever we want to do it, however we want to do it. We were saved with a holy calling to follow after him, to follow his commandments, to be his disciple, to do the things that he wants us to do, how he wants us to do it. We aren't supposed to be doing Christianity our own way. We all have a guidebook on how we're supposed to be handling our life, 
for life and living, for skill in living. You know, if you got a job at Fairway and you were given a handbook for the code of conduct, for how to establish yourself, how to work as a Fairway employee, what the expectations, the rules, the requirements are, we all need to follow that same rule book. You don't just get to do whatever it is you want to do when you're on the clock. We all have to follow the same rule book, and we all have this same rule book right here, the Bible. We all need to follow this thing. We were called with a holy calling, not a calling to do whatever it is you want to do because you think it's right, but to have a calling that is a holy calling, which is not according to our works. When you were called by God to go into his service, to be saved from your sins, this was not done because you earned it. It wasn't because you visited church enough times or because you got baptized or because you gave enough money. It has nothing to do with anything that you possibly could have done. The only thing that you did in the midst of this transaction was sin to get yourself into the trouble. That's what you did. And after that, only God can take care of you at that point. And he did. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works but according to his own purpose. He wanted to call you out from the garbage heap that is this world. He wanted to call you out from that. Why? Because it was according to his own purpose, just because he wanted to. Ephesians says the same thing in chapter 1. He just wanted to. He loves us so much that he just wanted to call some of us out of it, to save us, to redeem us, to make us his very own. And why he chose some, and why he chose those, we'll probably never know, not, at least not on this side of things. But according to his own purpose, he did. He just did. Wow, that's fantastic. According to his own grace and purpose, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He decided to do that with you and with me a long, long time ago. That's so encouraging and comforting to me. That God has had this all figured out. He knows the ins and the outs of this whole thing, and he knew it a long, long time ago. And there's nothing that's going to take him by surprise. There's nothing that's going to change his mind. There's nothing that can sway these plans. It's already in motion. You just got to be along for the ride. Just do what you're asked to do. Just enjoy it. You know, when you kick against the goads with God, it isn't God that has a hard time. You know, it's a hard time when you start bucking these commandments, when you start telling God what you think, when you start wanting to do things the way you want them to do, and you stop listening and submitting yourself to the will of God. You know whose life it is that's hand hindered? I give you a hint, it's not God's. It's yours. It's yours. I had a girl at work that had this the other day. I was trying to have her do something, trying to show her how to do it. She's just having a hard time, and she doesn't like me anymore. All you got to do is, this is the way I'm asking you to do it, and we'll all be fine. You know, this isn't rocket science. And God's the same way. He says, these are the commandments. This is what I want you to do. This is my will for your life. All you have to do is do this, and everything's going to be just fine. And we're like, nah, I got this figured out. I think I'm going to do it this way. We just can't figure out why sometimes our lives are in a big mess. Just can't figure it out. But we need to trust God because of his calling. And we can trust him 
in the midst of that calling because he's had this all figured out from the get-go and we can trust him. The second reason we can trust God, found verses 10 and 11, is because of his Christ. You know, God sent Jesus. We just got through this Christmas season having thought about and studied the birth of Christ and we've read about it in Luke chapter 2. Jesus came, Galatians chapter 4, in the fullness of time God sent forth his Son. What a wonderful thing that God has done for us by sending to us his Son. If God thought highly enough of you and for me that he decided to send his own Son to die on the cross for our sins, if he's willing to do that for us, I wonder what else he'd do. <laughs> you know, when you have a friend in your life that's just willing to just drop everything for you at a moment's notice and go to bat for you and take care of you and do everything in their power to help you out in some sort of way, do you suppose when something little comes along, they'll be just as willing to help? I'm going to guess they probably would be. And we can trust God because he has sent his son the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This grace, this purpose that God has for us, that he gave to us before time began through Jesus, has appeared to us at the birth of Jesus. Jesus being on the scene kickstarts it all going now for, for us, at least us Gentiles. It was abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You know, it's only through the gospel that we can have life and immortality because we will live forever with him one day in our glorified bodies. But it's only through the gospel. It's not through your good works. It's not through the things that you want to do. It's not through your good deeds or your wonderful smile or because you think you've given enough money to charity None of those things have anything to do with anything. It's already been given to us by his purpose and grace before time began and has now been revealed by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said he was going to do it, and when Jesus came, you can take it to the bank. He's going to follow through on it. You bet. Uh-huh. Do you trust him? What more would God have to do for you to trust him if it isn't him sending Jesus to die for your sins? What else does God need to do for you? That seems to me like the biggest thing of all. The only thing that can bring life and immortality to light in the hearts and lives of people is the gospel, and the gospel needed Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. And Paul says, To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. You know what Paul's responsibilities were? He told Timothy what some of his responsibilities were. He needed to go to different churches, and he appointed Timothy to do different things. And Paul says, you know what I was appointed to do? I was appointed to be a preacher and an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Can you imagine if Paul would have said, you know, I don't think so. I, I, I think, I, I, as a Jew, I think I'd rather talk to the Jews. I understand the Jews better. That makes more sense to me. So that's what I'm going to do because that's what I like. It doesn't work that way, does it? When God gives us a specific assignment, we're expected to do that assignment, not come up with our own thing. This is not how this works. You know, one time David wanted to build a temple for God. Great thing. 
it was consistent with what the Word of God said. Nathan said, go ahead. He, it was, there's nothing wrong with building a temple for God. He noticed that God was dwelling in a place where everybody else was starting to get nicer and nicer things, and God's in this tent, and David says, you know what, Lord? You need a temple. You need somewhere nicer to be. But was that what God wanted David to do? It was not. We need to be doing the things that God wants us to do to show him that we trust him. And if God is willing to send Jesus to this earth to pay the penalty for your sins and mine, I think we need to be trusting him. Finally, verse 12. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. There's a time where each one, every one of us need to commit to him our lives. We need to commit to him our whole being. We need to trust him for our salvation. We need to trust in the finished work of Jesus to be redeemed from our sins. We need to trust in him that we are forgiven. We need to commit this all to God. We need to hand it over to him and say, Lord, my life is yours, my eternal salvation is yours uh, all of my everything is yours my life is yours my thought pattern is going to be yours my actions and activities are yours everything is yours I'm going to commit to him everything and if you can get to that point in your life you're going to be the kind of person that God is then going to be able to commit other things to he says, I know I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. When you give all those things to God, do you believe that God can take those things that you give to him? And some of us think that we don't have a lot to give to God. So, in the parable of the talents, it doesn't matter if you're given five or two. It doesn't make any bit of difference if you're given five or two. If you think you're one of those people that are only given two, it doesn't matter. When you bring the two plus two back, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. It doesn't matter if you only have two. What matters is you're using what you have and you're committing it to Him. Because when you commit it to Him, God is going to commit back to you even more. God is going to be able to use you in His service. God's going to be able to mold you. You're going to be somebody that's going to be sensitive to His leading. You're going to be somebody that's going to be fruitful in, in service to Him. You're going to be somebody that honors him and ultimately you're going to be somebody that is not ashamed of him but if you're somebody that's holding back if you're somebody that says i don't know if i can trust him if you're somebody that says you don't understand i have all these excuses for why i can't trust him have you really committed to him your whole life because if you're not committing to him your whole life, you're just demonstrating how much ashamed you are of him. He can provide to you a level of commitment that's going to blow your mind if you would just be fully submitted to his will. But so many of us just want to have these excuses for why I can't or why I couldn't or why I don't want to or why I shouldn't or why it wouldn't make sense or how it's going to fail. You really committing to him everything? Because he's committed to you the sending of Jesus. He's committed to you the forgiveness of your sins. He's committed to you a holy calling. He's committed to you a lot of things. And yet we still end up simply being ashamed of him. 
like I was of my dog on Christmas Day. Don't think of the Lord Jesus the way I did of my dog on Christmas Day. We need to be the kind of people that fully trust in God because of all of these reasons for why we can trust Him. And I tell you what, as you go through your day today, as you go through your next week, and I and I certainly pray and hope that next Sunday we can be together for church, but I'm going to challenge you over today and over the course of this week, think of other ways, other reasons for why you can trust God. And I don't just mean trust God for, you know, little things. I'm talking about just trusting God just in general, kind of like how I've got a nine-month-old daughter, and she trusts us for everything. She has to trust us to get her food. She has to trust us to get her to sleep. She has to trust us for clothing. She has to trust us for a place to live. She has to, she has to trust us for everything. And we need to do the same thing with God. We have to trust Him with everything. Paul gives us three reasons here for why we can trust God, so as to not be ashamed of Him. Come up with, over the next week, other reasons for why you can trust God. And I hope next week at church, when you come to church next week, you can begin to tell me some of your reasons for why you trust God. Have a great day.